Welcome to Thrive 9 to 5, a podcast all about how you can kick ass in the office and in life without feeling exhausted or overwhelmed. Each week, I'm sharing simple self-care strategies, mindset hacks, and time management tips so you can get promoted without burning yourself out. My goal is to help you create success without sacrificing your soul or your sanity. I'm your host, Celeste Harrington. Hey Thrivers, welcome back to another episode of Thrive 9 to 5. This is actually the last episode for a while. I have decided that it's best for me to do seasons of episodes. So we are going to wrap season one up with these 15 amazing episodes. And I apologize if you hear some chickens screaming in the background. They are deciding to uh, cluck very loudly today. I'm surprised I haven't had any neighbors come cluck at me. (laughs) Surprisingly, our neighborhood is pretty tolerant for chickens. I have neighbors that also have chickens, so it doesn't seem to be an issue. The only problem is people have roosters, and I don't have any of those. I just have five really loud hens, and today they're deciding to be really loud. Anyways, hopefully that's providing you some fun entertainment. Today's episode is another guest episode with my good friend, Claire. Claire is a nutrition practitioner. We went to the same grad school and went through the same Masters of Exercise Science program at Chico State up in Northern California. And I'm excited to see where she went with her degree because I think you can go in a million different directions. And I think what she's doing is so amazing because I think I've complained about this before, but the health and wellness field is more than green smoothies and like super sexy leggings, in my opinion. And Claire's providing some really holistic services to folks who really want to find balance, specifically women and hormonal balance. And Claire talks a lot about stress, and I thought it would be really great to have her on the podcast because most of my listeners are stressed out, high achiever perfectionists who don't think they're doing enough. (laughs) And that kind of wreaks havoc on the mind and the body. And Claire provides some really great tips on how to find balance on your plate, in your food, in your snacks, so you can support your body during times of stress. And I will preface this, this isn't supposed to be any sort of medical information. Please consult with Claire or any other nutrition provider, your doctor, your naturopath, whatever you decide to choose for your medical services. But I think the advice is really valuable, especially as we're coming into the holidays where sugar and booze lack of sleep, higher stress, and family are of abundance. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. I know I did. It was a really great conversation and a great time to catch up with Claire. All right, Thrivers, enjoy. Hey, Claire. Hi. (laughs) How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Tell the people listening who you are. So I am a nutritional therapy practitioner, which means that I use a food first approach to restoring balance in your body. And I specifically work with women who are navigating chronic stress and anxiety, and they're noticing that they have these health challenges as a result of that dysregulation in their body. And together we restore their energy and we really just transform their health. It's pretty cool. 
Okay. Tell me what does a dysregulated body mean? Like how would someone know if they're dysregulated? (laughs) That's a good question. That's a good question. There are a lot of different ways that your body will send you communications. And, you know, we're going to talk a little about stress today. And so there's lots of different ways that people can experience stress, but a dysregulated body is really, I think about it in the way of like, anytime a symptom that you're experiencing becomes disruptive to your lifestyle, that means that there's dysregulation. Yeah. So when my eye was like the size of a, maybe a large golf ball and I, I (laughs) was miserable, I would assume that's like a red flag for dysregulation. Yep. Yeah. Your body's kind of screaming at you there for a little bit more support. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So I talk a lot about burnout and now I'm thinking like, is dysregulation a burnout flag? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I think they could go both ways, right? Like burnout could be a dysregulation flag or dysregulation could be a product of the burnout. So it could go kind of both ways. Yeah, exactly. Hmm, That's interesting. Yeah. I'm thinking about it. Like if I recognize the dysregulation symptoms earlier, Maybe I wouldn't have gotten that far along. Who knows? That's just me personally, but it is fascinating. So I guess what are some of like the beginning signs of someone who's experiencing this dysregulation so people can kind of bring some awareness to their own physiological response to like stressors or things going Um, on in their life? Well, like I said, it can be really different for a lot of people. Sometimes, especially when we're talking about stress, we think about the nervous system and these couple different branches of your nervous system, you have like your fight, your flight and your flee. That's your sympathetic nervous system. That's like your burnout. That's probably where a lot of your burnout clients are. And then there's the parasympathetic that like rest and digest the like regeneration side of your nervous system. And so when we think about like, what are signs of a dysregulated body, they are typically signs from your nervous system that there's a lot of imbalance somewhere. And sometimes that can show up in the ways of your emotions. So are you feeling anxiety? I know you talk a lot about like how to process emotions and name emotions and actually describe that. So can you feel that dysregulation in your body as a result of like cortisol and adrenaline running through your body all the time, no matter what time of day it is? So sometimes symptoms like that can look like not being able to sleep. Maybe you don't have an appetite, but they can also then manifest in different digestive symptoms. It's really, really common to see a lot of digestion issues and symptoms when the nervous system is completely dysregulated. And it can also translate to a lot of hormonal imbalances. There's a big impact that stress has on especially female sex hormones. So those are kind of three different kind of categories of like, is it this emotional stress where you're so dysregulated that you feel like you can't handle emotional stress and you're not sleeping well and energy is really low? Are there digestive issues? Are there hormonal imbalances? Are kind of these like three broad categories that people might see symptoms. Mm, I like that. What I like the most about this approach too, is I think people get like anxiety and stress in their head. And sometimes they'll feel it in their body if they're really attuned to what's going on in their body. Like, right. Do they recognize like sweatiness or elevated heart rate or tension in any of their muscles? This brings it like a step further into like the hormonal part of what's happening in your body on a chemical level and a neurotransmitter level and a nervous system level. And what I like about that is it helps people realize what's going on 
that creates the anxiety and that creates the stress because a lot of my teaching, our things and our life don't create the stress. Like we are creating the stress, like with our own thinking, thinking, and here's how that happens in your body. Yeah. I, I like that. I think people can maybe think about that. Like, I feel like I'm becoming more and more of a visual person. And if I can just like think about my little adrenal gland, just like, like shooting yeah. out cortisol, like when yeah. I'm stressed out, it kind of brings it home. I think it gets rid of like the victim mindset too, of like, oh, this is happening to me or whatever it is. And like taking a lot of responsibility for your stress. Like you don't have to yeah. feel stressed, but there's also another party too. And maybe you can speak a little bit to this is like where stress is beneficial because I feel like we think stress is terrible for us. And I think I talked about this a little bit in the wheel of wellness podcast episode about how stress impacts all the other areas of our life. And we typically label it as a bad thing because it can be most of it is, but there's another fascinating thing going out in the world right now. It's not new, but if we reframe what stress is and how it is beneficial for us, like our perception and how we experience stress is completely different. Yeah. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. We learn about this in like nutrition school and I even go over this with clients too, is that there is the quote unquote, like bad stress. And then there's the good stress, which is also sometimes referred to as a new stress. And I like to define stress as like stress is any sort of experience where like you either don't have the resources to meet the demands of a challenge, or you don't perceive that you have the resources to meet the demands of a challenge. And so good stress is like when maybe you're up against a deadline or you have a project or a presentation that you're giving. I think of a lot of like different work examples or those sorts of things where your body actually is serving you by like pulling together all these resources and energy to meet the demands of this stress. But the interesting thing is that that scenario is only really good when it's acute. And when that scenario gets so stretched out and it's the chronic stress, all the time, that's when you can see that shift and it starts to like be the bad stress. But it definitely can be good because I mean, like we have a stress response because our bodies are so dedicated to keeping us alive that like it has this fantastic response to meeting the demands of a challenge, which is really beautiful. And like you were saying, depending on how you perceive stress can start to change the way that you actually physiologically respond to it as well. Yeah. It's just so fascinating. Like, I think we kind of do ourselves such a disservice by always labeling it as a bad thing. I know when I was doing a lot of mindset work, well, I always do a lot of mindset work all the time, but, (laughs) but I had this goal for a long time to feel really calm. And I had this coaching session and the peer coach that I had asked me this really interesting thing that kind of changed my perception about it, about this dream or perfectionistic fantasy as my previous coach Carlo and Thiel would call it of being a calm person all the time. She's like, well, let's think about like how much stress has benefited you, like how it's gotten you this far. And what if you can just bring calmness into your day, period? Like that's it. Like you just call it in or you do your mindfulness or your meditation or whatever it is. Like you can be calm for moments at a time, anytime you want. But it's not better than stress. You are not 
more valuable of a person or holier than thou because you're a quote unquote calm person. And that's what I was trying to do is like, the stress is bad. Like, look how much you're freaking out about things. A calm person wouldn't do that. A calm person. (laughs) It's just this weird, like good guy, bad guy sort of mentality about stress. And it is fascinating because stress does make the world go around, but it sucks sometimes if we just let it kind of spiral out of control and have those dysregulated experiences or symptoms. So I know you're focusing so much on nutrition right now, and we don't really talk too much about food on this podcast, but I think it's really helpful because I think, especially with the pandemic going on, like I know for like me personally, I'm not eating on a routine or schedule this week. I've eaten the most salads that I've eaten in the last 19 months. (laughs) Whereas before that I was eating like a salad every single day. And now like salads are like the golden standard of health, but like way more nutrients and way more fiber, which are really important. So how can people kind of support themselves and feel better about their body so they can manage stress better with nutrition? Yeah, that's a great question. And you're totally right that like throughout different seasons of your life, like the composition of your nutrition is totally going to change. Again, it's like, there's no like, and not that you said this for yourself, but it's like, there's no need to feel like guilt or shame over that dynamic. It always changes. You know what I mean? Like it's always going to be kind of changing, but there are definitely ways that you can support your body to be more resilient to stress and in the work that I do, we focus on different nutritional foundations, meaning that there are different systems of your body. And when those systems are balanced, we see the absence of symptoms, like there's less dysregulation in the body. And one of those systems that is really, really closely tied to stress and stress resiliency is your blood sugar regulation system. And the reason for that, to make it very simple, there's a very, very close relationship between blood sugar regulation and cortisol and like a stress response. So basically in short, anytime you have a stress response, so like a perceived stress, or really is you're running late for work and you're hitting a red light every single light, and you know, you're not able to get there on time, right? Everyone knows what that feeling feels like. That response in your body is going to have a blood sugar response. And then the opposite is true. Also, when we have imbalance in blood sugar, that's also going to create a stress response in your body. So when we're thinking about what are some nutritional ways that you can support your body through stress and with stress resiliency, we want to start to minimize these like micro doses of stress throughout the day. Think of people who are eating three meals a day and maybe a couple of snacks, like that's three to five opportunities for you to take away a micro stress from your body throughout the day and definitely take a huge toll off of your adrenals which is really good when we're talking about people who are going through a lot of stress all the time, or maybe that's just like the season of life that they're in. So working to balance blood sugar is really a key piece when we're looking at stress. And the easiest way to start doing that is just to have a protein, a fat and a carbohydrate at every meal, like just start there. And that is the best way to start to create a foundation that is going to be more supportive for stress resiliency. Yeah. And so for those that don't know basic macronutrients, like your macros are Mm -hmm. a fat, a carb and a protein. 
Mm-hmm. So can you get an example of like a meal that has all three macros in it? Yeah, absolutely. So your protein sources, sometimes these are easier for people to kind of think about like what proteins are. So think of like all your animal sources. So whether that's having like the steak, if it's having chicken, if it's having salmon, if you want plant-based sources like rice and legumes, those are going to be protein sources. So pick one of those protein sources and then a whole food source of carbohydrates. So there's lots of different ways that you can have carbohydrates, one being the more packaged processed form of carbohydrates, which is definitely going to be more taxing on your body, generally speaking. So whole food source of carbohydrates are going to be generally your vegetables and your fruits. So picking something like a root vegetable is going to be more starchy, um, which can be really actually beneficial for people to have their nutrient dense or calorically dense and root vegetables are actually really a lot of times supportive for people who are going through high levels of stress because they quite literally like root you to the ground. Like they come from the ground. I know you love a good gardening moment. Yes. It's, uh, <laughs> like they are quite literally like rooting you down. So think animal source of protein, some sort of root vegetable. So like a sweet potato, a potato, your even like a winter squash, carrots, parsnips, those sorts of things. And then your fats are going to be cooking oils and fats. So things like olive oil or butter, ghee is clarified butter. Those are all good things. Or even nuts, seeds, so like walnuts, almonds, pumpkin seeds, those sorts of things are going to be good fat sources. So I'm like already hearing people who are listening to this, like there's no way in hell I'm going to have this whole situation. It's going to be way too much work for me. (laughs) Uh, Which cracks me up because that was my thing personally, when I was having my salad hiatus was Mm -hmm. this is going to take way too long to prep. And it literally takes me like three to five minutes to like throw shit in a bowl and call it a day. Yeah. And it is, it's so simple, especially when stuff's pre-prepared. Like my favorite thing is to do like a rotisserie chicken just to have it in my fridge and like pick away at it for the next three to five days Mm because it will keep that long and like add that to my salad and then like a nice dressing and Mm -hmm. boom, there we go. Yeah. So easy. I think there's like definitely a misconception with thinking about entering into more healthful eating and really truly nourishing your body with these like deeply nutrient dense foods is that it is going to be time consuming and that it's going to like add to this burden of all this stuff. But like you said, it's like pick one protein, like have a rotisserie chicken or like make a couple pounds of ground taco meat and then like roast a bunch of sweet potatoes and have some avocado. And like, that's fine. Like that's totally fine. It doesn't need to be this like grand, huge restaurant looking meal. It's like, just get the nutrients in that are balanced and that's good. Yeah, certainly. I was talking to my partner about meal prep. I have a health coaching client right now and we're working on weight loss and his workouts are great. And it's just a food thing right now. And it's interesting because my argument is like food prep is so easy. Granted, you and I are coming from a place where it is easy. We've been in this health education, exercise, science, kinesiology space for me over a decade, for you probably close to a decade right now. Mm -hmm. And so I know you and I have gone through phases of meal prep, like hardcore macro. I have hardcore (laughs) macro counting and like weigh and measuring my food and all of that. And I was like, it's just so easy. Like, I think it's stressful for me to like be counting 
And his argument was like, it is not easy. He's like, you think it's fun to go to the grocery store and like prep it all out and you can get the list to be exactly what you need to buy. He's like, but general population cannot do that. And I was just like really baffled by that. I don't find that to be true, but I think it might be true that people really struggle with that, like to figure out what to eat and how to prep it and to make it really simple. Yeah. I agree with you. I do think that there is definitely like an opportunity for there to be a hurdle there. And I also think that we're so like, as a culture, I think we've become so far removed from the fact that like the food that we eat quite literally makes up our entire being. And like, that's how we continue to live. And our mealtimes have become these things that get in the way of our day and we rush through them. And it becomes this burdensome thing to be like, oh, now I have to think about what I'm going to eat. And I do agree with you that like, for someone who is new to this, it can be overwhelming and not to their own fault. I think that that's just kind of how we've been conditioned. We're not given the tools most of the time to create these like really healthy mealtime routines and meal prep routines. And that's true with clients that I work with as well. And so it really is just looking at like what works for them. And sometimes the best thing for some people is starting with like a meal delivery service or a subscription of some sort where they have a little bit more support in the prep area just so that's not quite as overwhelming. This is not sponsored by any means. What are some of your favorite meal prep services? That's a good question. I was actually just chatting with a client about this this week. And I actually just have one that I like. I've never personally tried it, but I am familiar with the company and their sourcing and it's Model Meals. Oh yeah. Um, are you familiar with that one? Yeah, I haven't done the Model Meals. I've done Balanced Bites. They're out of San Francisco. Well, okay. the creator's out of San Francisco. I've heard good which- things. About them Super well. tasty. Yeah. Um, I've liked them. And then there's a local one here or two here in Santa Cruz that have both been great. Like yeah. drop it off to your doorstep or to your gym or some other like community space. Yeah. Super and I think great. that's brilliant. I mean, literally was just working with a client this week and she's like, I am finding that I'm so tired at the end of the day that like, I don't want to prep anything. And so then I'm like not choosing things that actually serve my body. So and I'm like, okay, well, let's come up with a different solution then. And those meal delivery services can be really helpful. Yeah, I like the idea of just simplifying it. Like, and I was trying to re-inspire myself on making salads. I'm like, I'm just going to find a few salad recipes because I never look at recipes. I just make the same thing over and over again. But it's been so fun and great to like re-inspire your palate, I think, to not eat the same shit all of the time. But you can like make it in bulk and eat it Mm -hmm. the whole week. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was commuting... I always meal prepped breakfast. Otherwise I wouldn't eat breakfast or I would eat it when I got to work or I'd wait to eat until I got to work and I would pick a lesser than option and it would screw me up the whole day. And you can feel it. You're more groggy, you're tired, your mood is different with people around you. And then I don't know what you find with your clients, but I know when I pick a poor choice in the morning, I'm likely to pick poorer choices the rest of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is both like a mental, emotional, like stress, right? Like sometimes people feel like, well, if I made one bad, like not a bad choice, but if I made a lesser than optimal choice, then that kind of cascades to the rest of the day. But also physiologically, your body is now like primed for that. And when we have these, again, these imbalances in blood sugar, your brain basically just goes, well, you know what? I don't want to do the work of having to use all the energy that I know is already stored and I can use it. And it's just going to ask you for like these quick, more likely like processed forms of food. 
And that's totally common to see that. This is making me think because we're talking a lot about sugar. I saw this probably controversial thing. I don't know what's not controversial these days on Instagram about this time of year. How I don't know if you saw this or not. Please tell me if you do. But either way, I want your thoughts about how this time of year, so this is being recorded in November, heading into the US holiday of Thanksgiving. And then we'll go into like the Christmas Hanukkah season and then New Year's, which is alcohol Latin and then Valentine's day. And so some of this post was saying how we're going into the season of sugar and alcohol consumption, but in the U S we call it flu season. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, Oh yeah, that's so true. It is so true. I was like, uh, yeah, that is, they have to be correlated. Of course. Cause just like a major like gut biome screw up when you're over consuming all of this shit. Yeah. A hundred percent. And like, you're like rolling off of Halloween into all of that, right? Oh, and Halloween. Yes. (laughs) I know. So yeah, we literally go September to February, which is six months. That's half the year. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. I have not seen that specific post, but I totally agree with you that like those things are definitely correlated. I mean, (laughs) let's call it what it really is. Again, like nothing wrong with indulging, but like, let's be aware of how it actually affects your body and be aware of how you can support yourself and still enjoy yourself. Yeah, certainly. So what do you do if you like indulge? How do you recover and like repair from that? Like if you're a drunk college kid, we're drinking like Pedialyte and burritos. (laughs) So as a more mature adult, (laughs) what would we do? I don't know. What would we do? One of the biggest things is like, and you'll appreciate this is like, what's your mindset around it? Like if you're going to make like an adult decision to like eat more, drink more, stay up later and like put on these stressors onto your body, right? Like you're making the conscious decision to do that, then like be okay with that decision from the very beginning and just be like, I am okay with this. And I've already decided that whatever the consequences are, they don't outweigh how much fun this is going to give me and like how much joy this is going to give me. So I think that's really the first piece because there's no point in like getting into this like cyclical guilt, shame, like now I have to go earn my next meal by doing a workout. Like let's not go there. But there are definitely things you can do, like even within a day, like even if we use Thanksgiving, for example, we're obviously more typical to have like bigger meals, even that whole week, if not even just on the holiday. But there are like little easy things you can do. Like one is the mindset piece. Two is just going for a simple walk after a bigger meal or I mean, really anytime you've had some sort of like stressful increase in your body, but a simple walk helps to use up some of that sugar that's in your bloodstream now and bring down that level of the stress basically inside your body. And then focus on like hydrating yourself and getting back to those balanced meals whenever you're ready to recommit to that. I think that the biggest piece is just like make the decision and feel good about it and then move on. Yeah. Move on for sure. Like the easiest thing is like, you can't just stress yourself out by thinking about how terrible a person you are the night before. Like, yeah, get over it, move on, make different choices, right? Your life is literally accumulation of the decisions you've made in your life. Yeah. Most of which is what you put into your mouth. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just that simple. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that sounds harsh, but it's like, just move on and 
that's it. Okay. I want to talk about bio-individual movement. Am yeah. I saying that right? Um, yeah, bio-individuality. So I know you're talking about that a lot lately. And you and I both, for those of you that don't know, Claire and I both have the same master's degree from the same university. Claire just took a couple years right behind me, I think. Maybe yeah. a year. I don't know. And we both were health and fitness coaches at the same all-women's strength and conditioning gym. Yeah. So we know what it's like to exercise like maniacs <laughs> and to be athletes and be around athletes and over like exercise addiction and yeah. all of that. So when I think about, we were talking about alcohol and overconsumption, a common trend is just like work it out the next day. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had this thing in grad school. It might have even been undergrad, but it was while I was coaching at that gym uh-huh. where I would run a mile per drink I had. It might have oh, been yeah. a rule at the gym, to be honest, like an unwritten rule. I don't know. I think it might have been. Like I'm pretty sure the owner might have said this <laughs> at some point. <laughs> Which whatever, I think schools of thought continue to evolve. And looking back, you know that you wouldn't prescribe that right now because it's an added stressor, right? Intense exercise, yeah. high intense cardiovascular exercise, lifting included, like people think lifting weights, it is in a sense slower in that you're not running, but it's still anaerobic. Your heart rate is still elevating, yeah, spiking and coming back down, right? So whenever you're lifting heavy. So what are your thoughts on exercise as a stressor? And you know, I, how I, I think I've shared recently, like exercise is not an exorcism, right? You don't get to overindulge and then exercise it out. Yeah. I totally agree with you on all that. It's always interesting. Like you and I both coming from this heavy movement and exercise space. And like you said, like different schools of thought evolve and all of that good stuff. But I definitely come from this space of bio-individually appropriate movement, meaning that during different seasons of your life, whether that's when I say a season of life, it could be like the current year that you're in. Maybe it's a decade that you're in. Maybe it's just like a actual calendar season, whatever that means to you, the season of life that you're in, different forms of movement serve your body and other types of movement don't serve your body. So when we're looking at like when people are experiencing high levels of stress, whether that's because of workplace stress or personal stress, whatever that is, layering in additional forms of stress in the form of high intensity workouts of skipping sleep to go get a workout in. Like I am so over the like glorification of get up and grind to go get in the workout. Like I'm so happy that you want to move your body, but sleep is more important. I will pretty much always vote for sleep over movement. But with that said, there is an appropriate time for different types of movement. And I keep saying the word movement because exercise is not the only way you can move your body. Exercise is a form of movement. It is not the only way that you can move your body. But when we're looking at these different bio-individually appropriate movements, we want to take into consideration the other stressors your body is having to process. So avoiding those high intensity, like interval training, hit style, like you're saying, like even intense weightlifting, running, those sorts of things, they do cause a stress response in your body. And so they can become problematic because they can be basically adding fuel to the fire. And there are a lot of other ways that you can move your body that are more therapeutic and restorative, then you're still getting some of those benefits, but you're not 
adding in more stress. Yeah, certainly. I think I 100% agree with you on the sleep thing. And I keep using personal examples so people can relate to it, to be honest, as someone who's like, quote unquote, busy, right? I'm using air quotes here for people who can't see that. But (laughs) I am a rise and grind, essentially. Like I enjoy working out in the mornings. I know that if I don't do it, I'm likely not going to do it in the afternoon. That's just me and my personality. I've been doing it in the morning workout for a long time. (laughs) And I like it. That's how I process um, a lot of emotions and whatever. And I just sets me up for success for the day. However, sleep. My personal rule of thumb is six hours or more. Typically, that's never a problem for me. I'm always like, I have no issue going to bed at like 8, 8.30. That's what I've been doing yeah. most, most <laughs> of this week. <laughs> like going to bed because I have a 6 a.m. Yep. workout and that's what I'm prioritizing. And yeah, I think for sure, 100% sleep. We don't usually, usually we don't get enough of it. And it's the most restorative thing we can possibly do because it puts us in that parasympathetic state where we can yeah. rest, digest, repair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's 100% necessary, especially if we're in like an indulgent phase of our lives, which is yeah. coming up if you're listening to this as this podcast <laughs> releases. Yeah, so it's like finding different ways to move your body that are not so rigorous like that. And that can be like one of my favorite things is talking to clients about just getting out and playing. You can throw a frisbee and kick a soccer ball around and throw a football and like go for a walk with your family and your friends. And like that is a beautiful way to move your body and much more restorative than eating and drinking a ton the night before and not sleeping very well and getting up in the morning to go run and lift weights and do a hit workout. This phrase that came to mind as you were saying that is like your body is a temple sort of thing. And I think yeah. we use that in a self-sabotage type way, even in a few years ago. People probably are still using that school of thought. I just don't follow those people. <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah. so when I think about it now, whenever you're just pouring stress, adding more stressors on top of stress, right? Poor eating, more environmental stressors, work stress exercising to make yourself feel better. We don't get to achieve any of our goals. Like if we were thinking about like weight loss specifically, when we're in a heightened sense of stress, and I said this in the beginning of the pandemic, we're all in a heightened sense of stress, even if we don't think we are, right? We right. are seeing things in our subconscious, hearing things in passing that will naturally just make us a little more alert because things are just regulated, right? In the world. Right. And so when I think about stress, and this is primitively kind of coming back full circle of like what we are designed to do is survive. Your body is going to want to put on weight or maintain your weight because it it's freaking out. It's yeah on a physiological primal level. It's going to hang on to your weight or make you gain a few pounds, regardless of your diet, regardless of your exercise routine, if it hasn't changed because it's, it wants you to be able to maintain its function, right? It wants you to be able to liver function and brain function and all of those things. So naturally, like if you do have a weight loss goal and some people do, most people honestly do, which is interesting, right? That can be a whole nother podcast episode we can talk about, <laughs> yeah. but like you have to address your stress. And of course there's like access and resources and racial trauma and injustice and all the things that we deal with, especially as women, such as women of color, all the things. And so Stress has to be the foundation of your success in life, period. 
Yeah, I totally hear you on that because regardless of what your goal is in life, like your body will not thrive if it's in that sympathetic, that fight flight, like prepping for destruction, basically, like with a weight loss example, your body's going to want to basically hunker down and hold on to every single last resource just in case something happens. But then even metaphorically speaking, like the same thing happens energetically, any other way you're looking at your success in life too. Like if we back ourselves into the stress corner, our body tries to protect us and like shields us from all the things because your body really cares a lot about you and like wants yes. to keep you safe. <laughs> it does. It just loves you at the end of the day. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so we should just love it back. I know. Yeah. So it's like creating the ultimate environment for you to be able to thrive is really important. Yeah. That, that's it's so true. And I love that you ended with the word thrive because that's what we're all here to do. Okay. <laughs> so we'll end it here. One tip for someone who is in a heightened sense of stress and feeling overwhelmed, what's like one thing you would recommend them to start with? Well, I'll give you a nutritional therapy. That's what I do. That one tip would be to really key in on providing yourself good whole food sources of nutrients. So experiment with having a protein, a fat and a carb on your plate and at each snack and see how your body responds. I love that. I think it's so easy for us to do the grab and go package stuff, but like, just try mm-hmm. it out. Yeah. Or just try out a balanced snack and see how it goes. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, Claire, for coming on and talking to us about how we can support ourselves in this wild world that we're living in. Yes. Thank you for having me on. And how can people find you? I'll put it in the show notes. We're uh, on the wide world internet. The wide world internet. So Instagram, my handle is at Claire underscore Qtil. And then my website is clairequtil.com. Perfect. Thanks so much. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you. Thanks for joining this week on Thrive 9 to 5. If this episode hit home for you, because I know it did, join Thrive Weekly, a newsletter for people just like you who are looking to do success differently. The link to subscribe is in the show notes below. You can also follow along on Instagram at Celeste double underscore Harrington. And as always, subscribe to the Thrive 9 to 5 podcast so you can stay up to date as new episodes drop each week. I'll talk to you next time.